0: Come on, if you're blessed today, can I hear an amen? Come on, give me some high fives. I want to get some high fives. I wish I could go back further. Poof, high five to the third row. So many of you here, I can't get to all of you. I'm kidding. We've learned one thing after this weekend. We are never letting the youth take a Sunday off again. Some of you all are sleeping today because you are always dependent upon our youth and our youth leaders. I want to hear y'all get excited. Somebody get excited and say amen, hallelujah. Woo! Come on. There you go. Don't let the youth take away your praise. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Uh, about 40 of them went out for the weekend. They're coming back today. I got a wonderful message I want to talk to you today about. It's called Marked and Sealed. It is in our Ephesians series. I've got to get right into it. So thank you for coming today. Let's look at Ephesians 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every what? Spiritual blessing in Christ. Somebody say Spiritual. Thank you. You need to note that today because we will be talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what enables us to have every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's important for you to know. Let's keep going. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. What did he predestine us for? adoption to sonship. That is another important concept that you have to understand. We will be looking at Jesus's teachings today on the Holy Spirit. Blessings come by the Spirit. That's why they're spiritual. And adoption to sonship applies to male and female. The image of God in us is genderless, okay? So understand that. And the adoption comes by the Holy Spirit. He says, I have not left you as orphans. And that will blow your mind about the genderless nature because from Adam, Eve came and he said Adam and Eve singular as Adam are made in the image of God. Understand that he made them male and female. Them are singular in the word Adam. One man, Adam, had male and female in him. It wasn't a Ephrodite. But he had whatever was capable of having female taken out of him and made separately. And that's why when they come back together as one, as one, they come together in marriage, they are then con- considered one again. Some of y'all looking at me crazy. I got myself into this. Let me show you in Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 3, and I'll just let you guys, uh, Genesis chapter 2 rather, so you can see this. This is the what we get our marriage scripture from. It says, um... When he makes them, male and female, in the image of God, let me go up here. Here we go. Where are we at? Because I'm kind of on the fly right now. Is it it Genesis chapter 2? Yes, it is. Okay. And it said, and the man became a living being, and then he made them. Where am I at here? And the two shall become one. Where am I at? Somebody help me out. And the man said, bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. No, 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 no. And the two shall become one. Oh, there you go. And you guys are right, 24. Thank you. Yep, yep. Okay. So look at right here. It says, um, let me go to Jesus' reference to it. Let me go to, Jesus said it in Matthew what? And the two shall become one flesh. Two shall become one flesh. Let me show you adoption to sonship, genderless in the spirit. That's what I'm now going on to a rabbit trail in case you guys wonder what I am doing. Let's go to the, let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 verse 8. And the two shall become one flesh. Should be referencing Genesis 2, 4. Okay. Now watch this right here. In the beginning That's why I have the confusion, because I have it, um, I'm combining two verses. That's my problem. That is my first problem right here. I need to go here to where it says God created Adam. That's where I need to go. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me make an awkward situation better. This is the scripture I am looking for. But I kept saying the one that you guys helped me find in Genesis 2:24. This is the one I needed. Do you guys understand? So God created mankind. Look at the Hebrew word for mankind. Mankind here is Adam. This is Adam, where we get Adam from. Everybody get that? Okay. Mankind is Adam. So God created mankind. God created Adam. Who did he create first? Adam. So God created Adam. In Adam was mankind. Don't get confused. A lot of people try to get spiritual and confuse you guys, and then you can't figure it out, and then you just got to trust the pastor. I'm not like that. I don't go on deep spiritual treasure chest journeys. I just show you the Bible. Just look at the Bible. It's, it's right there, and the original languages help, and it will just make it really simple. So he created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them. Now do you see the them is the plural. Now it's going to tell you what the them is. Male and female, he created them. So just look at the top part being A, the, bo- uh, the middle part being B, and the third part here being C, okay? So he's working his way down. This is the revelation God gave Moses when he was on the mountain, okay? So God created mankind in his own image. That's the first part. He creates Adam in his image. Adam is created at that moment with the potentiality to have male and female, okay? At this point, we don't even know how the world was gonna procreate because he gives him animals to be his helper as a test. He did not create male and female at the beginning. It was Adam, and then he said, have some friends with animals and go on. How many understand that's what he did? That's, it's, they're, they're, you gotta go to the understanding here. There's not a trick here. So somehow, either Adam and Eve would have been created at another time from Adam, because it's always going to be from Adam at this point. Everything from the human race will come from the first one he creates in his image. Or Adam would have been doing some strange things, recreating like what we would see insects do or something. Don't even go there in your mind. It's okay. Or maybe it could be like all deep. I just lost so many of you guys. Here I am in second service and trying to save this sermon that has gone so sideways. But here's a deep thought, okay? So if you look at like water, like becoming drops and then drops coming back into water so okay so like if I take my glass of water and like I put it here I can start to separate it and start making little drops that could have been Adam so it could have looked cool like another spirit coming out of Adam and then he could have done that all we know is that he starts with Adam. Is everybody with me and he says here's animals make friends he does not start off with the woman now, this is where we go into the, uh, the mind of God. He knows all things from the beginning. He knows all things from the beginning, but he's in time with us. And so it's not until Adam goes hey, I like the monkey, but I don't really want to sleep next to the monkey at night. The monkey's not really going to be my friend. Hey, I like the dog, but the dog's really not here. And then God says what? I will create him a helper. I will make them a helper, right? And then what does he do? He has Adam go down and he takes something out of Adam, the rib. Now, what's the first thing they did when they did autonomy? Is they wanted to look at, it, is does the man have one less rib than a woman? Now, this is where we get that idea, and some of y'all looking at me crazy, I'm not so crazy, is that something came out of him and went and created her and it didn't become an actual rib it wasn't an actual thing because either it took it could have been one of two things he took out the actual rib and then from that created Eve and then the rib grows back or whatever is being called a rib there is not the thing we would necessarily think is a rib it was somehow that device of spiritual multiplication of how Adam was going to recreate other spirits from him now, here's the part that you have to understand. Why didn't God just go down to the dust and make Eve? Because he already created mankind in Adam. Mic drop. That's where you guys are supposed to connect, okay? Mankind was already created in Adam. Some of y'all don't believe me. Just follow the scripture. God created mankind in his own image, and the image he created them, he created the male and female. Now, let's go to the scripture we wanted to see. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 as we are on this journey of spiritual weirdness to some of you. But this is what we as theologians have to do. We have to understand why the Bible's written the way it is, okay? It's, it's there for a reason. Now he said, so he goes, to the, he goes to the man, the Lord God made a woman from the rib of man okay, from the rib of man, and now that's where we get into the Hebrew, like what's really going on here? It's really the word extra, bent or crooked. So was it something in him as a multiplying device to bubble out as, a, as another bubble of spirit would have come out of him? Now you may say, Joe, that sounds crazy, but then here's the deal. Why did God have to get something out of him to create Eve? If it wasn't in him as mankind, why did God have to go into him to take something out to make the woman? Why doesn't God just go, hey, I'm the creator. I just make things appear and disappear whenever I want. Because he had already started mankind in Adam. It's all now in Adam. And so then he splits off. Now at this point, people may say, did Adam become what we would now know as a gender man? Because angels don't have gender. The Bible says in heaven they don't get in marriage. Uh, They don't give are given in marriage. So... At this point, did Adam become engender gender, a man, and now the next one become a woman? Probably, but at this point, I mean, the book of Genesis, Adam is already being identified as a he, okay? But you now got to think the same thing. God is identified as a he, but he doesn't have he genitalia, okay? It's only when Jesus takes on the flesh later on in the scriptures that now he's identified as a man like us. But then now we have to ask does that mean genitalia as a man? Does Jesus have what makes a man, okay? And so in our resurrected bodies, because the Bible speaks about sonship and doesn't speak about daughtership, some people just like to erase it and say, well, that was just the cultural understanding. No, we go back to the original thing. In Adam, all became sin. In the second Adam, Jesus Christ, all become righteous. And so here's my, here's my clever way of thinking about this. When we get our glorified bodies, we will still be known as masculine and female, but we won't have the genitalia or those kinds of things in sexuality. I don't think we'll have sexuality. And so, like sometimes, like you see, like these uh, what, like these uh, alien movies or the uh, Terminator, and they they show them naked, but they don't really have anything down there. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Like a mannequin? Can I erase this part of the sermon, Daryl? Where did Daryl go? So, sonship it applies to women. Why? Because you came from Adam. You came from Adam, and now here's the deal. Watch this. When Eve sinned, death didn't come yet. The destruction didn't come yet. When did the destruction come? When Adam did it. Why? Because he was the representation of mankind. She had come from him. It didn't count yet until he did it. Does everybody get that? And so now, are we ready to go back to our sermon? Well, let me just wrap this up as best as I can here. And by the way, you don't have to believe this. You can still be a part of our church. I will not ever ask you this question again. Do you believe Adam was a spiritual hermaphrodite of some kind? No, you don't have to believe that. But this is, as you study the commentaries in Jewish uh, scholarship, it's one of the only ways we can make sense out of what in the world is going on there in Genesis between one man being asked to make friends with animals. He doesn't find the friends with animals. Then God tells him to fall asleep. He takes something out of him, which doesn't seem to be missing now, and makes a woman. And then now he says this, the man now says, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because when he saw her he goes whoa man you guys know that for she was taken out of man now you notice this this is where it gets deep again she was taken out of the man she was not her body was just taken she herself was taken out of man so whatever we were going to be reproducing as before woman was there, it was in Adam. You were in Adam. And we now know that by DNA. We now know that it all goes back to one progenitor, one okay? And now, they say it's through evolution, but we know it's through the human, one race, the human race. And then he says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and are united to his wife, and they become what? One flesh, going back to what? Adam, mankind, Facebook me your questions right now if you have any because I don't want you leaving out here thinking you just heard some crazy stuff. I just want to make sure if you have any questions, Facebook my messenger right now and I will get to them before you go. I don't want anybody leaving out. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now what's our explanation to that they were naked and felt no shame? The glory of God was their covering. So Adam before Adam and Eve Was of a masculine gender, but probably had no sexuality. Whatever was to produce the human race in him here somewhere, right? In him. It's taken out. Woman is now there. Now the human race is going to be multiplied like how animals from the beginning were going to multiply, male and female, through sexual union. They now have their sexuality, right? Adam and Eve. But here's the thing. They don't know they're naked why don't they know they're naked? They literally don't even know they are naked or at least feel no shame. So it's either they're naked and don't care about it or they don't know that they're naked. Now here's where we think that the, the, the idea of God's glory was their covering and that's what we believe is the resurrected body. So it's not like in the resurrected body being clothed in white as you get a body and then you get on a white robe as we kind of like see it. We believe that when Jesus was on the mountain of transfiguration, known because of that, because he transformed into his glorified state, there's just a little taste of glory right there, that the, the glorified state is a white robe upon you. It looks like that. Is everybody with me? So think of it like this. An angel is genderless as well, but they have masculine names, so I'm not that weird right now. Is everybody with me? I got a Bible teacher in the back. Are you nodding your head, Alex? Alex is like, who's that Bible teacher? It's you, sir. You know you. I'm doing my best. But watch. Angels had no gender, but, they, but they're called by masculine names, right? And then what do we see? They come down with clothes. Did somebody knit clothes for them? What, what kind of clothes are they coming down? They're spiritual in nature. They somehow have clothes that can appear when they come down. They have clothes around in heaven right now. They're not just animal, you know what I'm saying, naked like, uh, I don't want to say naked like animals, but they're just not naked up there. Is everybody with me? So this is what's going on. When they sinned, we lost our glory covering. Now we cover ourselves with this. And the example that I like to give as well here is that if you look at a light bulb, when it's really bright and it says like GE on it, you can't see the GE logo because the light is so bright. You turn off the light, now you can see the markings on the logo. So to them, their body wasn't, Isn't what they were looking at, their nakedness, what they were seeing was being clothed in the glory of God. Can I hear an amen? Okay, you send me any Facebook questions you have because I do not want you to walk out of here believing at least a false truth you can at least believe what I think is true, the closest thing to it in love, verse five, you I bet you did not think I was going to go there today in verse five. did anybody predict that? I could not even have predicted this We've read this verse how many times and all of a sudden we went somewhere very deep in love he predestined us to adoption through sonship, adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of Of his glorious grace, which he has given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. How many are rich with God's grace today? Amen. How many wish you could pay your bills in the grace of God? Amen. Because you're so rich with it right now that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will. Remember this phrase, he's made known to us the mystery of his will. He's done that by the Holy Spirit. Paul is writing this right now, inspired by what? Who's inspiring Paul as he writes scripture? All Scripture, according to uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, is God-breathed, Theanustos in the Greek. God-breathed from the substance of God, from the breath of God. And so the mysteries are made known by the Holy Spirit for His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So where is this all going? The kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. Us receiving glorified bodies and us ruling and reigning with Christ. I just noticed that this is the service you record stuff in. Do I need to say to you, we're going to edit that part out. You know to edit. (laughs) This will be edited. You guys will be like, it was so deep. But you know what? It's on the live recording. You guys can go back and always listen to the unedited version. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. How does God work out everything? By what? The Holy Spirit. You're blessed with spiritual blessings. You're in Christ today by the Holy Spirit. Today the Holy Spirit is revealing the mysterious will of God, and the Holy Spirit is working out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Let's read verse 13 together: one, two, three. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit now you see he ends this passage and we're about ready to end it okay guys we've been in this for a while we've had technically uh, 13 messages up into this point because we did two on the gospel but he ends it with the Holy Spirit but understand from the very beginning you couldn't do any of this without the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is what was promised to us notice that he says the promised Holy Spirit who's the one that promised us the Holy Spirit Jesus. That's why we got to go today back to John fourteen and fifteen and sixteen. Today are going to be about the Holy Spirit. So now watch. This is so amazing. Paul saved by the Holy Spirit, writing Scripture by the Holy Spirit, revealing the hidden nuggies by the Holy Spirit. Talks about the gospel coming through the Holy Spirit, bringing you into Christ by the Holy Spirit, and says that now you are marked and sealed with Him by that same promised Holy Spirit. And verse fourteen. And you got to understand, we're at a we're at a run on sentence here. There's a comma, so you've got to remember. Verse Verse 14, as we're talking today, the Holy Spirit, who was a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now we talked about this before when we talked about being redeemed. Is there a contradiction in the passage? In verse 7, it seems that redemption is now. In him we have redemption through his blood. But in verse 14, it says that you are waiting until the redemption. Which one is it? Is it we have redemption or redemption is coming? Which one is it? Yes, both, right? Come on. Which one is it? It's both. We have redemption where? Point to where you have redemption right now. Inside. The Holy Spirit is there now. You've been born again now. You're a new creation now, amen? The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. You have been redeemed from sin. Sin is not in you anymore. Sin may come around you. Sin may come to tempt you, but you are as free from sin as Jesus was free from sin. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I'm just gonna preach however the Lord lets me preach today, amen, because I think it's more than just me wanting to say stuff, because y'all gotta go back to this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there are what a new creation the new has come the old has gone the new is here now look at verse 21 of that same passage it's not any any tricks up the sleeve God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that in him you might become what the righteousness of God how much sin is in the righteousness of God right now how much sin is in a new creation right now so why are you sinning because you're living double-minded in the flesh. Anytime you sin, you're saying, I don't believe what God said about me. I don't believe that I can avoid every temptation, be delivered from every evil. You don't believe that the Spirit has given you a new person. You are literally like uh, coming to America, Eddie Murphy, the son of a king, and you're living like a pauper working for McDowell's. You need to stop acting like a son of the, the devil. Stop acting like a child of Adam and Eve and start acting like a child of God. Amen? And that's why the Bible says you have been redeemed, but you're waiting for redemption the gospel comes and saves your soul and then it comes and saves your body november 5th 1995 my soul was redeemed and born again but when will my body be redeemed and be in other words born from the grave born again when will my body get that the day of the resurrection so now listen do i become a saint the day my body is raised from the dead or do i become a saint the day i was born again I love what Charles Spurgeon said, no saint gets to be a saint in heaven unless they've been one here first on earth. God does not make you a saint when you die. He wrote this book. The the book of Ephesians is written to the saints. Can I hear an amen? amen? Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. What spirit did you have living in you before the Holy Spirit came and lived in you? The spirit of this age, the spirit of the world. In the King James Version, in the NIV, it says holy ones, but I'll show you it's the same word. Here in the King James, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to what? The saints, hagios in the Greek, to the holy ones. That's why in the NIV, it says to the holy ones. That's who you are. Why? Because you have the holy one living on the inside of you. You are adopted. You are a king's kid, and when you were adopted and made a new creation, you don't have what you used to have. It's taken and put on the cross. So what God is saying, it's a walk of faith now for you to believe inside what God has done. That's the faith. I understand that. It takes just as much faith for me to live this walk as it does for you. Hebrews chapter 11 says it like this. Faith is the evidence or the confidence of things we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now look at verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So the world that we see now, the world today that you live in, this universe, is it visible or invisible? The world you live in is invisible. What world are you living in? Okay, the world you live in right now, right here, is it visible or invisible? Okay, it's visible. Now, where did it come from? A visible world or an invisible world, or a visible God or an invisible God? An invisible God, an invisible place we call heaven, right? That's where it came from. Heaven came from uh, earth, came from heaven because God brought it forth from there. He created it first, He created the heavens, then the earth. Okay, so like how Eve came out of Adam, earth came out of God in heaven. Not in a pantheistic way, but the Bible says, In Him we live and move and breathe and have our being. In Him creation came forth. And the way we differentiate it is called panentheism, not panentheism. Panentheism says everything is God and God is all. That's not what we believe. Panentheism is what the Greek fathers taught that as the sun emanates rays and heat is so God and all of his creation. The rays are not the sun, but they are emanated from the sun. Do you understand the difference? And so we are emanated from God. He sustains the word, the world by his word. Do you understand that? He sustains the word, the world by his word. All things were created for him, by him, and through him. Do you understand that? And today you live and move and, have, and breathe and have your being in him. This is all possible because God is the one Who uses the Holy Spirit for his creation? Look at it. Through him, all things were made. How were they made? Through him. He didn't just speak over here somewhere, it came through him. How was Eve made in relationship to Adam? Through Adam. Through Adam. How was the world made by God? Through God. Do you understand? They were made. But how did he do it? You just go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and you begin to understand the triune relationship with God. But you see the apex of it at the creation of man. Just start at the beginning. In the beginning, God, and we would know this to be Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they have the one name, created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, dark, and the darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now we see the Spirit of God is there. And then God said, let there be light. Now we know that God here refers to the Father, and the one speaking refers to the Word. How many understand that? That the Son of God is the Word. Now, can I just show you that in the Scripture? You say, Pastor, I don't know if I believe your interpretation of Genesis 1-1. How do I know that's the right interpretation of Genesis 1-1? Because that's the interpretation of John and John 1-1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you understand that? He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. What was there? The Word, the Logos, the speaking forth of the Father. The Son is what the Father speaks forth, and the Spirit is what enacts what the Father and Son say. Can I hear an amen? Amen. That's the Bible. And so today we're talking about you are redeemed and sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to move fastly through some of these notes, but I want you to get the word picture here that they're talking about. The Holy Spirit is the signature upon your life today. As they used to seal the scrolls of those times, this is what the, the writer Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit has done on the inside of, both, uh, outside of us and all believers. This had two purposes. Number one, the seal was to secure the document. This is the privacy setting. And number two, it was to authenticate the source of where the scroll came from. The Holy Spirit is now doing this in you. What is he doing right now? He is authenticating your walk with God. The Bible says test every spirit. Not every spirit is from God. How do you know that you have believed the right spirit? How do you know that you've been truly born again? The Holy Spirit will authenticate you being born again. That's how we have the gift of discerning of spirits to know what is demonic and what is of the Lord. I could tell you stories about me working in the French Quarter and people telling my future and then me having to cast demons out of them. This is literally what you guys pay $7 to go see in a movie theater I lived out in the French Quarter. Uh, And I don't tell these stories to impress people. That's why you've never heard it because I don't talk about it like that. But I have seen the real deal, okay? We authenticate our walk with God not by man's opinion, not simply by experience. A Mormon says, I have a burning in my bosom. We don't authenticate it by feelings. It's authenticated by the Holy Spirit. And as you will now see as we get into the teachings of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit only says what the Son says, and the Son speaks the Word, and the Word is found in the Scriptures. Any spiritual experience that you have that contradicts the scriptures has not come from the Holy Spirit. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does is he sets a privacy setting on you. If you received a scroll and the seal was broken, you're like, "Dude, what happened here? Did you read this on the way here?" You know, and that's why today, even in our culture, the post office, uh, the 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 mailbox is a federal offense if you mess with it. This was how it was back then. You could not touch people's letters. They were to be treated privately and that seal guaranteed that it couldn't be messed with. The Holy Spirit, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, is the Holy Spirit that's guaranteeing your salvation to the day of redemption. Can you reject the Holy Spirit and walk away? Yes, you can. Paul taught that in Romans chapter 11. He taught that also in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26. And I'll show you that quickly. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 says, If we willfully go on sinning after having received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. How many sacrifices for sins are left if we willfully sin? If we deliberately keep on sinning, how many sacrifices for sins are left? But are you afraid of losing your salvation? You shouldn't be. I walk in fear and trembling. Yes, I do. The Bible says serve the Lord in fear and trembling. That is true. But we do not have a fear of losing our salvation. Why? Because our salvation is not based on our good works. I was not saved by good works, so I can't be unsaved by bad works. I was brought in through faith and unbelief, uh, through faith and belief and trust in God. And the only way I can be unsaved is if I stop trusting and believing in Him. So the choice is mine. How long do I want to trust in Him? As long as I trust in him, he will seal me. No one can take me out of his hand. Nothing can separate me from his love. And so some of you even there say, well, I don't know if I can trust myself to trust him. Well, my friends, that is the responsibility of being human. God gave us that responsibility in the Garden of Eden. The image of God, Imago Dei in the Latin, literally means that we were given an autonomous will, self-identity. You were given the choice to choose what you would identify with, the God of creation or yourself as God. Hello. And what did they choose in that day, on that day in the Garden of Eden? Did they choose to identify with God or to become their own God? They chose to become their own God. Now you make a choice. Are you going to serve yourself and the idols of this world, or are you going to serve God? How many want to serve God? Make that choice the rest of your life, and there's no fear of losing your salvation. I have no fear of me stopping loving my wife. I have no fear of me stopping to love my children. God gave me a choice. I could hate them. I could become a scoundrel like you see on these uh, just disgusting news articles of what parents do to their children, but that will never be me. Why? Because it's my choice, and I choose to love. And perfect love drives out all fear. I have no fear of going back to hell uh, and going that direction. Does anybody here have a fear of believing 2 plus 2 is 5? Does anybody have a fear of believing two plus two is five? No, you know the truth, and the truth has set you free from the error, hasn't it? If you really always know the truth, you'll never settle for the error, won't you? When I see people walk away, it's because they don't know the truth like I do. I can't walk away from this. There's nowhere else for me to go, like Peter said, though he even take my life or slay me. There's nowhere else for me to go. It's heaven for me. Amen. I will not turn my back on him. And so that's the illustration that we're given. Now, let's go to the teachings of Paul and other places in the Bible. And I got some neat things so you can learn about seals. But um, we don't have time to talk about that because we talked about how God made Adam. (laughs) So if you want to learn more about the neatness of seals in the first century. You can go back and look at that. But here's Paul talking about seals. Further on in the book of Ephesians, he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were what? Sealed for the day of redemption. This is why I need you to help me preach. Do not what? Grieve. Come on, somebody say grieve. Grieve. And do not what? Grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. Can you do that? Yes, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Can you walk away? Yes, you can. But you can never walk to a place where the Holy Spirit will not follow you, okay? But you can walk away from him in intimacy in your heart. He is not a divine kidnapper. He will not force himself to stay. I mean, you may say, well, pastor, I invited him in. Why would he ever leave? Well, because you can invite me in and you can tell me to leave. What if you invited me in and then you said for me to leave and I never would leave? That's not a good thing, is it? And God doesn't break the law of human autonomy. Angels got one choice and they have to settle with it now. You may have multiple choices. Some of you get born again, 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 and again. But I pray you stay with the original choice and stay born again. Amen? And if we do sin, doesn't mean we have to get born again, and again, because the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, they can get back up. But what happens when we sin? We grieve the Holy Spirit. What happens every time we curse? We grieve the Holy Spirit. What happens every time we look at pornography? Like, come on. What happens when we lust in our heart? What happens when we live in selfish ambition and anger? We grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may say, Pastor, I sin all the time and I'm not grieved. Well, that's an indication that you're not saved. Because if the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, you're going to be grieved. The Holy Spirit is more than your conscience. In my conscience, I felt great cussing out people. I did, but the day I became a Christian, I began to get grieved over my temper. Before anybody ever dealt with my temper, I started to get grieved with the way I treated people. The Holy Spirit did that to me. I would apologize when no one even asked me to apologize. Now, I'm not saying that I always got it right. I'm just saying there was a distinct difference between my conscience and the Holy Spirit. How many know some of y'all consciences was crazy? Come on, let's just be honest. You were A-OK looking at BigHooters.com, fellows. Come on, you didn't feel nothing in your conscience. Maybe you were embarrassed the first time after that. There was no more embarrassment. How many of you all know you had no problem cussing out people in, in traffic? How many know you had no problem lusting in your heart? I mean, just talk to a sinner out here. I mean, of course, that's what they do. There's nothing wrong with that. After all, I'm a man, and man has needs, and I'm not really doing anything wrong. I mean, they'll defend their sin. Hello. But the moment the Holy Spirit came in, how did you feel when you sinned? You grieve the Holy Spirit. You felt the Holy Spirit grieved. That's how I know I'm never going to turn my back on God because I value, the, I value the emotion of the Holy Spirit more than my sin. That's why I know I'll never cheat on my wife because I value her more than a temporary pleasure. I value my children and them growing up with a dad and a mom that love each other. Are you listening to me? So there's no fear in love, guys. No fear in love. But here's the great thing about it. If you do sin, the Holy Spirit will be grieved. Don't ever look at that the wrong way, okay? Now, there is a difference between grieving and condemnation. Condemnation comes from the devil. The Bible says there's now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. What is condemnation and what is conviction? That's a great discussion to have, okay? Conviction says this is who you are and you're not living like it. So repent and come back to your senses, Eddie Murphy. You're not a janitor at McDowell's. You're a king's kid. Conviction shows you who you are. Come on, somebody. When I talk to my kids and I say, you've done wrong, I don't say you're a dirty, filthy, rotten sinner. I say, you're a son of a wyrostic. You're a child of God. You do better than this. You talk, I correct them from identity. What is condemnation says what you're not. You are not a child of God. Oh, come on. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Some of y'all need to hear that. You are not born again. You are not loved. You are not forgiven. That's the moment you hear that, you know where that's coming from. And let me tell you about spirits right now, because some of y'all got to get in on this. Spirits are like radio receivers, and them coming at you is like radio stations. You got to turn out, tune out the devil, B96, amen, and put on AM preaching, okay? You know what I'm talking about, them preachers on the AM. And and then some of that stuff on B96, I guess, is okay, but most of it's all, you know, bad anyway. But listen, your spirit can hear spirits, okay? Your spirit can hear spirits. It's like a radio receiver, okay? And so you have to be careful to what you're tuning in into and you can talk yourself out of Christianity every day unless you tune into the Holy Spirit. You got to learn to build your own spirit up. You have to speak to yourself. Your words need to be spoken and think to yourself the things that God has told you, okay, and then reject. That's why the Bible says you tear down every lofty and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, every pretension and every argument. Amen. How many of you are getting some lanyap out of the extra notes today? Amen. Uh, Go to that scripture for me in in, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where it says we tear down those things. Somebody find it for me. I believe it's in chapter 10 because I want you guys to hear that today. Anything that tells you, here we go, chapter 10 verse 5, we demolish arguments. How many of you have found yourself arguing with yourself? Okay, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, what are those pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God? I mean, have you ever heard even that word? I know it's not popular in our English language anymore, but pretension is like how we like you're so pretentious. Well, what do we mean when we say pretentious? What we mean is someone's acting cocky and prideful and they're exalting themselves above us. It literally comes from the word above or higher than, right? And so. Uh, We take captive arguments and every pretension, high thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So conviction says who you are. Condemnation says who you're not. Block out and tear down condemnation and receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Because I know a lot of Christians that don't know the difference and they'll start rebuking the Holy Spirit thinking they're rebuking the devil. No, that's the Holy Spirit telling you to break up with your boyfriend. Come on. Well, I just feel so sad after I've done it and I don't feel right. It's because the Holy Spirit's been grieved over what you've been doing and he's trying to renew your mind and give you a new happiness. Okay? It's like the drug addict coming off the drug. Well, I don't feel good. Well, you're going to start feeling good. When your body gets the drugs out and the the serotonin comes naturally and not through morphine or, I mean, through heroin. Are you listening? And there are disconnects from us in sin. Your flesh is addicted to sin. Your eyes are addicted to lust. That's why you have to count your flesh as dead and crucified with Christ. Jesus said, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Is anybody getting free up in this church today? I hope you are. Because the truth will set you free or it will make you mad, okay? Don't get mad, get glad, amen. Look at Paul again, 2 Corinthians 1.20. He says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. What are they in Christ? Yes, See, yes. yes. si, senor. Come on. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. That's why we say amen to the things of God. It means yes, right on. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Who is it that makes us stand firm in Christ? Who does it? Do you make yourself stand in Christ? Are you the author and finisher of your salvation? Are you the one that gives faith? No, all you have to do is trust God. Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God gives you the faith. God puts it in your heart. God renews you by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says He's the author and the finisher of of your faith, and He's the one that can satisfy every desire of your heart. Sin is what you do when you're not satisfied in God. It's not going to come through self-help and self-discipline. You will live through Jesus by the Holy Spirit, because the Bible says, I didn't give you the spirit of, of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It's the Spirit of God inside of you that makes you able to stand in Christ and he has anointed you. Jesus was anointed at uh, the day of his baptism with the Holy Spirit with the form of a dove and that's what happened on the day of Pentecost for the disciples and when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, brother or sister, you're given the same anointing of Jesus. The same anointing. He has what us? He has anointed us. I need half a church to help me out today. He has what? Anointed us. So you are anointed and appointed by God to do the things of the Lord. He has set his seal of ownership on you Put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And what is to come? The redemption of our bodies, ruling and reigning with Christ upon the earth. Are you ready to go to the message now? Look at your friends and say, get ready for the sermon, because here it comes in six minutes. (laughs) I got to go through this so fast. The promised Holy Spirit. Paul said we are sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. When was it promised? Promised by Jesus. John 14, 15, if you love me, You will go to church if you love me, right? You will uh, listen to the preacher and just do what he says. No, it may be a part of what you do, but how will you know if you love God, if you love me? Keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever. Now, I want you to understand the Trinity just happened here. Did you catch it? Jesus is speaking, the Son, to the Father. And he says he will send another. In the Greek, eleon literally means of the same kind, the Parakletos, the helper, the Holy Spirit. There is one God in the same substance but in three individual persons. There are not different substances, different parts. They are homoousis. Homo meaning the same, usis meaning substance. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all of the same substance of God making the one God that we know in the Bible as Yahweh. Are you listening? In Jesus' baptismal formula, baptize in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But they are three distinct persons with three distinct roles. People ask all the time, who was Jesus praying to himself? No, you don't understand the Trinity. Jesus was praying to the Father. When Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit, is he sending himself? No, he is sending the third person of the Trinity. You see it here. I, Jesus, will ask the Father, and he will give you another identical to us of the same kind, an advocate, a paracletos, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Can the world accept the Holy Spirit? No, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Notice the distinction. He lives with you and will be in you. Old Testament versus New Testament in one sentence. Where did it come from? The Old Testament was always about God with you. God would come upon them. God would move in mighty ways. There was the temple, and then they would have the, the signs and the wonders. All of these things was by the Holy Spirit. Cloud by day, Holy Spirit. Fire by night, Holy Spirit. The the, um, the Kabbah, the glory cloud in the Old Testament where the priest fell down, went boom, couldn't do their work. The Holy Spirit, are you listening? Who split the Red Sea? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, even in the time of Jesus, was with them, but the Holy Spirit was only in one person at that time. Who was the Holy Spirit in at this time? Jesus, the unique Son of God, was the new reset of the human race. He is now the stamp of God, stamping out all sons and daughters like him in his image. Are you listening? And he was the first one to not have the Holy Spirit come just in him, I mean come around him, upon him, but to actually come in him. Now Jesus promises the same one that's been living around you, the one that David used to have to go to the temple to be around, will now be in you. Does anybody get an in you revelation now? How about from the book of Ephesians? In him, in him, in him. How are you in Jesus by the Holy Spirit? Let's keep going. Verse 18, remember I told you every spiritual blessing is yours by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because every spiritual blessing is by the Holy Spirit. Can you have spiritual blessings without the Holy Spirit? Okay, now if the Holy Spirit has all the spiritual blessings where he is, are all the spiritual blessings there with him or does he leave some behind? Does he come in pieces? Okay, so now if the Holy Spirit has all spiritual blessings and wherever he is are all spiritual blessings, where is the Holy Spirit right now? He's in you. How many spiritual blessings do you have? All of them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Remember I told you to think about that. You are an orphan without God. Religion makes you orphans. The God of Islam makes you orphans. The God of Hinduism makes you orphans. The God of Buddhism makes you orphans. Godlessness makes you an orphan. Atheism, all of these religions and non-religious beliefs, which are actually religions themselves. I have a religion. I don't believe in God, and I write on Facebook about how much I don't like the God I believe in. Yeah, you're really religious. How many have seen some atheists put up memes like we put up memes? It's like, you're just religious as me. You're just worshiping yourself, and I'm worshiping God. Come on. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Who's coming to us? Jesus, before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. They saw him at the resurrection. Because I live, you will also live. How many are alive in Christ today? On that day, what day? The day the Holy Spirit comes now. Follow I've seen Jesus, but now there's another day. It says, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Why is it going to be the day of Pentecost? We'll find out later. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Iscariot, by the way, there was two Judas, as you have to remember, said, but Lord, why do you only intend to sell yourself to us and not to the Lord? Now look at what he says in verse 23. Anyone who loves me will do what? obey my teaching my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them how many have heard people say jesus lives in my heart do you believe it that is true does jesus live in the cardiovascular organ dancing around there in your veins and in your in that your arteries no but guess who else is in your heart papa's in your heart too it says we will come to them and make our home with them why because you cannot separate the father from the son And the Spirit brings both of them. You'll see in just a moment, and we'll see Pentecost come back up again. Here we go, verse 24. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still being with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, and whose name? My name, another reference to the Trinity, will teach you all things, and I will remind you of everything I have said to you. He will remind you. Now look at this. How do I know it's the day of Pentecost? Acts chapter 1, verse 7. What does it say? Jesus talking right before he's ascended into heaven. It's not for you to know the times and the days the Father has set by his own authority. This is talking about kingdom rulership. They kept asking him when they were going to rule and reign. But look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So when are they going to receive the power? When the Holy Spirit comes, and then back up just a few more verses now, in verse 4, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the what? The gift my Father promised. What are they supposed to wait for? The gift the Father promised. Here it's mentioned in 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he is the promise of the Father. Who is the promise of the Father? The Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1:14, by the promise one thirteen, by the promised Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. Now look at verse twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give with, give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why is it we can have peace in this world? Is it because we do the crooked chicken and eat vegetarian food? No. That may help your physical body to be at peace, but why is it that it doesn't work in your soul? Because you are a spiritual being. You must have the spirit of peace be in you to give you peace. How many have tried medication, counseling, all of these things, a meditation, whatever, and it didn't bring you peace, but one step to Jesus brought you peace? Now, those things can be complementary, your diet, your friendships, what you think about, obviously. But it's the Holy Spirit that brings peace because he comes in the name of the Prince of Peace. Watch again, John 15, 26 through 27. When the advocate comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. How many saw the Trinity again? Jesus talking to the Father, sending the Spirit. And he will testify about me, and then you will testify. What does it say here? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, how do we know it's the day of Pentecost? It says, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. What do witnesses do in court? They what? Testify. Look at your neighbor and say, testify. Come on, you must testify. John 16, 7 through 15. Why was it important that Jesus went away? So that the Holy Spirit could come. Is the Holy Spirit a baby God, or is he as much God as the Father and Son? If you have the Holy Spirit, do you have a baby version of Jesus, a baby version of the Father? If you have the Holy Spirit, do you have less version of, the, of, of Jesus than what the disciples had face to face? No, you have as much as they have. That's, isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians? He said, we were the first to believe in this, and he's even referring to the guys like uh, the apostles that were actually there when they saw Jesus. And remember, even with Doubting Thomas, Jesus said to him, blessed are those who believe and have not seen, right? He says, and you also were included in Christ, in verse 12, it says, We were the first to put our hope in Christ that we might be for the praise of His glory, and you were also included in, included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Was Peter closer to Jesus than you are right now? No, because the physical body of Jesus didn't make Jesus Jesus. What came through Mary did not make him Jesus, it was the eternal Logos that possessed that body. Are you listening? Now, through the Holy Spirit, you have Jesus on the inside of you. You are in Jesus. You cannot get any closer to Jesus than you are right now. If you have not been born again, you are as close to Jesus as you will ever be. Many of us talk about the day face-to-face, and that is an important thing. Why? Because your flesh blinds you from seeing him the way he ought to be seen. That is what happened when we sinned. They had seen him face-to-face, but didn't see their nakedness. When they sinned, all they saw was their nakedness, but didn't see him face-to-face. How many are ready to stop looking at your nakedness and flesh ready to see spirit. Come on. How many of you are ready to stop looking at Cosmopolitan and what's on TV and movies and start looking at Jesus? But you looking at him will not put you closer to him. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit in you now and the Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus with you. There is no difference between when you look at his nail print hands to when he speaks to your heart right now. I am telling you, saints, that is the truth of the Scripture. This is why he said, it's good that I go away. He was not messing with them. If it was was better that he were to stay, then he was lying to them. Are you listening? Is anything God says good, bad? I wish I had half a church still. Come on, keep up with me. Is anything that God says good, bad? He said, it's good that I go away. Some of you all wish he didn't go away, right? I wish I could sit and talk to Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. Come on, everybody look up at me. Catch this Revy. I have so many people that are superstitious first about me. They think that I'm the only one that can pray at an altar. They think I'm the only one that can answer their Facebook. They think I'm the only one that can get counseling. You don't understand. It's good that I don't do that for you because I will be mean and angry at 2 in the morning when you write me. It is good that you have somebody else to talk to. That's why I got disciples making disciples. I got already people that can call me at 2 in the morning, the pastors and the leaders. Griselda got brought to the hospital last night. I can't do it with 100. I can only do it with about a dozen people. Are you listening? But in your superstitious mind, if the pastor don't do it, it won't get done. Well, you got the wrong Holy Spirit then. Because if the Holy Spirit is in you, it can get done. Two or three gathered together. Jesus is there. That's what he said. That's what he said. Are you listening to There's nothing superstitious about me. And then in that same fallacy, we make things superstitious about Jesus and we deny the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. You have Jesus with you now. The power of God is with you by the Holy Spirit. You don't have a baby Casper the ghost living on inside of you. The same Holy Spirit that came in the form of a dove and rested on Jesus is in you right now. What's your problem? Come on. What problem do you have that God can't solve? It's good that I go away, because unless I go, the advocate will not come. But if I send him, I, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world about what is wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Going on down to verse 12, I have much more to say to you. Come on, somebody say, preach it, Jesus. But he said, no, I got to go. He said, I got to go. I can't be here for three and a half years doing this. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But he, the spirit of truth comes. He will guide you to all truth. Can I get free as a pastor one more time? When I send to you a pastor to go to your hospital bed, when I send to you a disciple or to go disciple you, I have sent you with everything that they they have come with everything that I know. They are bringing to you the best of what Metro Praise has to offer. Can I get an amen? And it's the same thing here. the Holy Spirit is inside of you. He is bringing to you the best that Jesus has to offer. If that is not good enough for you, you are literally blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says those who blaspheme the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven of their sin. If you don't think the Holy Spirit is legitimately God dwelling in you, you've got a problem with the triune God. Because the Holy Spirit guides into all truth. Just like if you talk to my wife, you have talked to me. You understand? There are examples of unity in this world. There are examples of it, and that's how we have to understand the Trinity. When you got the Holy Spirit, you have the Father and the Son. Look at this. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he makes known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. How many know if Jesus wasn't God, he just blasphemed the Father right there? How many think it's okay to walk around this earth saying all that God has is mine? If you don't have Jesus on your side, that's blasphemy, isn't it? But Jesus walked around the earth and said, everything that you call God, I got. (laughs) He said, before Abraham was, I am. That is ego am I? He said the divine name of God in the Greek language as they knew in the Hebrew language. He said, before Abraham was, I am that I am. That's what he basically told them. That's why they picked up stones, wanted to stone him. Why do you think they got him crucified? Because he made himself out to be a king, the ruler, the Messiah, and not only a king, but equal to God himself. A son sharing in his father's nature. And he says, that is why he said, the spirit will receive from me and make it known to you. Is Jesus God? Is the father God? Okay, what makes God God? All-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere. Omniscience, omnipotence, and um, omnipresent, okay? Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes, because how can the Holy Spirit make known what an all-knowing God knows unless he's all-knowing? How can the Holy Spirit bring all the power of the Father and the Son unless He's all-powerful? And how can the Holy Spirit uh, be everywhere the Father and Son are everywhere unless He Himself is everywhere? This is that Greek word homoousios of the same substance. In closing today, after your minds have been blown so your spirits have been opened. You are anointed and sealed for union with Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And he is on the inside of you, a deposit of the inheritance to come. Would you stand up? Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Band, altar workers, please come. Let's check and see if I got any questions from my little talk about Adam here. Let's see before we close out. Someone asked the question, if angels were genderless, how do they impregnate humans in the Nephilims? The story of the Nephilims is that the sons of God had sexual relationships with the sons of men, and that is a mystery, my friend. That is one of two things. Either they have gender and will have gender, so that would just be like what I said at the very beginning, either we'll have gender or we won't in sexuality, or we will, but we can't reproduce. So That would be actually an argument. If you believed in the Nephilim and you believed that they had sexuality and that was actually what happened, because some translators believe that it just means that the righteous ones had sex with the wicked ones. But in the Old Testament, they called them the sons of God, which is also the name of the angelic people, right? So if you believe in the Nephilims, then we will have sexuality, but we will not be reproducing. Just like God put a stop to the angels reproducing with humans, right? So if we believe that version, I mean, like that idea. Or the other idea is we're, we're non-sexual beings, and that's like a conspiracy theory of the Bible. You know, it's either or. I go back and forth, honestly. I, that's why I said a lot of the things at the beginning, we don't have to take verbatim because there's mystery in that. What we do just have to know is, once again, as we tie this whole message together, is that we were made in the image of God. Starting with Adam. We, collectively, we were all there in Adam. And then from Adam, Eve came. And then Adam and Eve, coming together, procreate the human race. And we're all born sinners. Everybody get that? We're born separated from God. Now, through Christ, we are brought in union with God. And when we say union, I'm talking we are closer to God than this right here. I'm saying we are closer to God than the air we breathe. The the Greek fathers actually called it intermingling. That when you would take two liquids and you would intermingle them, pop with water. That's how they think our spirits are intermingled with the divine. Why? Because it says in Peter, we participate in the divine nature. And the idea of participation in a spiritual sense would literally mean partaking one of another. Does everybody get that? Like sharing in substance part. When you partake of food, it literally becomes a part of you. Do you get that? Understand? You partake. Yes. So that's why the Greek fathers taught about what we would call the um, in the kenosis. Jesus partook of the flesh. The Son of God became the Son of Man. That Son of Men's could become Son of God. Does that make sense? So He partakes of humani- humanity. Does that make sense to you? that now I can partake of divinity that's the union that's the seal we are sons and daughters of the God who adopted us as his children sons and daughters adopted think about that angels don't get adopted again they're gone they're done end of story for them right we just just kick those demons to the curb right now we're not praying for like God I pray for demon Beelzebub I pray he repents and comes back no they're done but we pray for sinners right Because we still can be saved. Father, help us to know what we need to know from this message by the Holy Spirit. If you are here today and you have not had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, would you ask Jesus into your life right now by believing in him, repenting of your sins? And the Father and Son will come through the Holy Spirit, make you a new person right now. You will be in union with the Holy Spirit. Those of you who are already born again, would you just raise up your hands and tell the Lord thank you. Come on, thank Yahweh. That today you have a relationship with the triune God of heaven and earth whose image you have been made in. That now you can hear the sound of heaven. You can participate in the power of God. You can be a living witness and a testimony to what God is doing. And I double dog dare some of you to praise him for what's about ready to happen. Because you can't base what you're about ready to experience based on what you see. Because the Bible says what you see is temporary. What you don't see is eternal. What you don't see is what created everything you do see. So there's gonna come a time when the invisible becomes visible, my friends. I dare you to thank Him right now for a resurrection to come. I dare you to thank Him for defeating death, hell, and the grave. I dare you to thank Him, thank Him today that judgment and redemption is coming. Come on. Until the day of redemption, the Holy Spirit is a deposit that we are God's possession and that we have an inheritance. How many want to praise God for an inheritance that they don't even see yet? Because we know it's in heavenly places. And as surely as we're here now, heavenly places will come down to where our bodies are. Come on, as surely as our spirits are in heavenly places by the Wi-Fi of the Holy Spirit is as sure as heaven is coming to this earth. That is the first part of the Our Father prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many are tired of seeing hell on earth? Come on, kick it out in Jesus' name. Tell it to go. Tell it to go. We believe for healing. We believe for miracles. The Holy Spirit is greater than cancer today. The Holy Spirit is greater than depression today. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is all that we need. We're going to dismiss just with a hand clap and we'll pray for anyone who needs prayer either to come to Christ or be encouraged today. But before we do, would you just imagine that today? What is is it going to look like when heaven comes to earth? Use your greatest power of imagination right now. What can it look like? I mean, what is it going to be like lying, laying with the lamb? No more murder, no more fighting, right? Come on, use your greatest imagination, all sorrow passing away, no more tears. Now pray that to come today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, now pray that. Pray that. That's what the disciples kept talking about. God, when is your kingdom coming? When will we rule with you? When will you make all the wrong, right? We pray it forth even now. We pray it forth even now. Because we want everyone to come into that kingdom, Lord. We want those who are causing sorrow in this world to be saved. We want those who are considering divorce not to do it, not to break up their family. God, we want, God, all the sick to be healed. That's what we want to see. You, when you were on the earth, you were a taste of what the kingdom of God looked like. And now you said we're adopted, sealed, and anointed just like you. Help us to manufacture that into this world today. Help us to bring it about, to manifest it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Slap your neighbor a high five and say, go get you some. Go get you some of the kingdom of God on this earth. Bring it. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, come on up. Let's manifest the kingdom. Let the rivers of God flow through you today. If you got to go, go. We love you. Thank you for coming. If you want to pray or worship, come on up. We're excited today. Your spirit lives in me. Want to sing a river. Oh, yeah. your river? Your river has washed through me. Your river has washed through me. Changing the world around me. Is your spirit? Sing your power, Jesus. Your power, the Holy Spirit, through me. Oh, you know, you know I need you, Lord. Your power, through me. it flows, it flows. It's touching the world. Amen. Then let's sing your the bridge, brothers, please. Never running dry, Jesus. Never empty, I'm never ever. dry. Let it flow through me. That's right. Can you be dry in an ocean? It's impossible. Come on, sing it and think about what you're singing. It's impossible to remain dry if you're in an ocean. If you're in the Holy Spirit today. He will always satisfy you. You will never be dry. I'm never empty. I'm never dry. Jesus, change our reality today, God. Change the way we see the world. You satisfy.